Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. On this episode, our 14th, we're going to be returning to the topic of COVID-19. Now, I understand that we are all, including myself, very weary of this topic. But at the same time, I think it's important that in the late COVID stages, now we're not quite post yet, just late, that we begin to reflect on the magnitude of its effect on us as individuals, as institutions, and as a community. It's also important to understand how folks are dealing with the transition as we get closer to the majority of adult Arkansans being protected through vaccination. And finally, how we can better be prepared for future public health emergencies. Now, where I want to focus our conversation today is on our schools. Now, my oldest was in Little Rock Public Schools and my youngest was in preschool in March 2020 when the public health emergency began. And when it came time for my wife and I to make a decision about in-person instruction in the fall of 2020, and it was a hard one, let me tell you, albeit not as hard for us as for some who didn't have as much of an option due to lack of childcare or the absence of work flexibility. Now, we held our youngest out and enrolled our oldest in a virtual academy. It was not ideal at all, and it certainly reinforced our long-held beliefs about the value of our teachers. And I will tell you, it was a blessed time when we were vaccinated and the teachers had the opportunity to be vaccinated, and we re-enrolled both of our boys for in-person instruction. At the end of 2020, I wrote in a guest column that we can find inspiration in hindsight. Quote, as with any crisis, there were and will continue to be moments of extraordinary humanity, grace, and perseverance. Teachers simultaneously instructing students remotely and in person, singers raising their voices online through virtual choirs, and families holding socially distant gatherings on the front lawn. Most of the column was about our healthcare workers, but I know that what I said about them is equally applicable to our school teachers, so I'll take it with that frame here. Quote, while we are reflecting, Let's extend our gratitude to the dedicated, resilient, and innovative school teachers who have shepherded us through this crisis. America's educational system has its problems, but the courage and compassion of its school teachers is not one of them. Mere gratitude, however, is not enough. In 2021, let's commit to policies that acknowledge the humanity of our teachers, make them safer, protect them from burnout, and ensure that their successors in the pipeline keep us as inspired as they did in 2020. And with that, I want to introduce our guest today, Dr. Charles McNulty, who has been the Pulaski County School District Superintendent since 2018. Now, he came to us from Waterloo, Iowa, where he served as Associate Superintendent for the district there. He has a bachelor's degree in political science and psychology from Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon, and a master's in special education from Portland State University, and a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of Wisconsin. 
And I think he had a pretty good idea of what he was getting into by taking the superintendent position in Pulaski County until March of 2020, when we were all pandemically shaken. All right. Welcome to the show, Dr. McNulty, and thank you so much for joining us. Great being here. Thank you. All right. Now, before we get to the more serious stuff, which we will, what is the thing that you're enjoying most about being in Arkansas? Well, I'm going to give you two things. One is the people. I think yeah. we have met some of the best people in, in our lives here in Arkansas. I mean, the gratitude, the compassion, the, the joy of life. It's been amazing. And second, the winners until this winter. Uh, it's been great. <laughs> three not for to, a loop. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been avoiding the snowplow for three years, and all of a sudden, here we were. Uh, but, no, we've, we've had a really good time here. You get, a, you get a pandemic and an historic winter storm that we've never seen here in Arkansas. Yeah. Couldn't it's ask for more. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I asked this of all of our wonky guests. What would you say is your theme song? Just Breathe by Pearl Jam. Let's just breathe. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Song. Uh, for me, you know, it's being in the moment. And if you're blessed to have a soulmate like I am, yeah. you enjoy every bit of life. And uh, that's kind of uh, how I've been, been living my life for a, a long time now. And it certainly helped during the pandemic. And a child of the 90s. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's great. One of the best albums of all time, you, Pearl Jam's 10. Yes. I would agree 100%. Yes. All right. yes. Uh, so um, tell me a little bit about uh, the Pulaski County School District it's, itself and what drew you to be the superintendent there. Sure. Uh, we have now 26 schools. Uh, we have a virtual school and 25 uh, building brick and mortar. Uh, we have... 12,000 wonderful students, very diverse community, uh, very diverse student body, uh, amazing leaders, great board. Uh, there's, there's a lot to uh, uh, feel blessed about. For me, actually, uh, what drew me was, again, the diversity of the communities, yeah. uh, the desegregation case for 37 mm -hmm. years, and um, how that we had some structural issues that we had a, we had a right uh, to give every child a equal opportunity yeah, and equity. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was it. And then, you know, I ran into some folks when I came down to interview, and, and we were just, again, blown away by uh, the warmth that we found here in Little Rock. Yeah, great, great. Well, glad to have you here. <laughs> glad to be here. Thank you. So um, how, how did your district and, and the staff respond both early in the pandemic, and how has that changed over time? Is it for, you know, kind of what lessons have you learned along the way? Well, we've learned an awful lot of lessons. Um, you know, I think I'll never forget March 11th of, of 2020 uh, when we kind of got wind that things were going to be shutting down. And, and, you know, we were lucky to be a one-to-one -one district. So we already had uh, Chromebooks to our students. Our teachers already had Chromebooks. Uh -huh. So when we shut down, when we knew we were going to shut down, we started getting them out. Wow. And we were able to get them out to every child that day. Uh and then we spent the next couple of weeks working through spring break, trying to gear up what instruction is going to look like from home. Mm -hmm. And we learned a lot. We learned that, that um, the importance of having systems in place expedited that. Yeah. We also learned the pandemic fragmented us. Uh, I will never forget my first uh, Google Meets meeting with my <laughs> professional staff, uh, a meeting that should have been... 25 minutes was three hours long. Uh, so uh, You're on mute. You're on mute. Yeah, you know, it was, it was like, wow, this is going to be a really long um, experience. And then as we got into the summer, um, we ramped up our, our planning because we knew we were going to go back to school. Uh, I think a lot of the unknowns created fear in people. Yeah. You know, we weren't sure 
what the pandemic would look like, you know, how COVID-19 would, would react in our schools with our professional staff. And, you know, we entered the year with, with one goal in mind at first, and that was keep everybody safe. Uh, I want to say that we didn't lose any souls. We didn't lose any professional staff or students during the yeah, pandemic. That's great. Um, we, uh, we had a lot of masks. We also had uh, goggles because we knew it was aerosol and the eyes yeah. are, are at entry point. Uh, we also learned that our, our one-to-one initiative that was great when we didn't have to be all, all online at the same time <laughs> wasn't so good when we're all online. Uh, our Chromebooks really couldn't uh, run well uh, with the Internet burning fast. Uh, we couldn't use all our softwares. But, you know, we had this great moment with our teachers. Uh, they did an Apollo 13. They figured out how to hook up two Chromebooks so that we could utilize our software. We had a group of 100 teachers get in there and problem solve it. And from that point on, I think we were able to start build back systems, start start working for a student-centered approach, and less about, always about the concern of safety, but then we started moving towards instruction. Mm-hmm. So by the time the snowstorm hit, we really felt that we were starting to reach 85% of our students and the instruction was starting to, to, you know, really come on board. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I guess you got, you know, you get the you get the safety right, and then you get the processes right, and ultimately you can turn to instruction. And and ideally you could do them all at once, but that's extremely hard when you're dealing with something completely new that's thrown at you. And the you don't know the science yet. Right? Yeah, and we didn't know the science, but um, I work with some amazingly smart people, and and we started listening to some of the um, physicians outside the United States who were seeing it as an aerosol spray, uh-huh. a spread, I should yeah. say. And and then that led us to the masks right. were mandatory for everybody. And our students did great. Yeah. We really had no issues with students wearing masks, our staff wearing masks. It was, it was really – I was just really happy to see the community come together. That's great. It's, it seems like you guys were fairly prepared for, for this. But do you think – more broadly, do you think schools were really prepared for this at, at all? No, I, I don't. Um, you know, I, I don't know – if you can prepare for a 100-year yeah. pandemic. And the last one was so fuzzy in our collective history because of the sheer unknown and the anxiety that happened out of that pandemic. Yeah. That I think we're seeing a little bit of that today. I think there's a there's um, an attempt to move beyond it without look, looking back and learning from it. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be very – I've struggled with that. You know, I, we, all, we all want things to go back to normal, um, but I don't – I don't think we should. I think we should really examine what happened and and figure out how we can, you know, as they say, pivot. You know, right. <laughs> you guys are pivoting all the time. Like truly pivot as a society mm-hmm. and move in a in a in a into a better position, mm-hmm. not just the same position that we were in. I, I, I've struggled with that my, myself. I agree with you. I think this is, um, you know, we're almost at a at a turning point. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how we as a society r- return to society. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we have a lot of hurdles uh, outside of the COVID-19 pandemic that we're going to have to jump over. Yeah. yeah. So uh, along the way, you know, the, the, the state uh, was provided resources. I know the federal government provided resources mainly through financing uh, of, um, you know, grants and, and other other financial resources. How were they supportive of, of the schools, both the state and the federal government? And, and were there any barriers that, <laughs> that were put up that you just, you know, saw as either ridiculous or could not overcome? You know, I think uh, I like to give people grace. 
I like to, to say that, you know, when we're being challenged with something that we've never experienced, that there are going to be good things that happen and there are going to be things that we're like, ugh, we've got to work <laughs> through this. I wish they hadn't done that. I wish they hadn't done that. <laughs> you know, um, we made a, you know, when I mentioned March 11th, we had a lot of, of our professional staff at home. Uh-huh. And, and you know, a, a bus driver can't do their job for not taking kids to school. Right. So the district and with the board support decided to pay people. Um and we didn't have any guarantee that we'd be reimbursed, uh, but we thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And we were reimbursed, and we were much uh, appreciative of that. Uh, when we walked into the, this last school year, we didn't know that we'd be having, um, you know, the CARES Act, or we didn't mm-hmm. know that, uh, you know, ESSER two and, and the recovery uh, was coming our way. Um, but, you know, we still kept going forward with our students and our professional staff. You know... Um, it's, it's tough because, you know, I think the federal government has come in and, and provided uh, great resources for us, but they also want us to be accountable. Uh, the difference is their lens is, you know, at, at 70,000 feet and we're on the ground. And so needs are different. Mm-hmm. And what they may think is, is um, an effective approach is, for example, we have to spend 20% of our $25 million we just got on learning loss. Completely agree. But tutoring in summer school isn't the most effective way of addressing learning loss. Yeah. More teachers, smaller class sizes, and effective instruction is. Yeah, and and that's not coming together yet. But I, I have hope that it will. <laughs> Maybe there will be some guidance soon that will. We, we, we're we're yeah, looking yeah. for that. Yeah. So, what has been the most challenging part of all of this for you yourself, and and then for your teachers and staff? You know, I for me, it's it's seeing um, our organization, our school district, really coming together prior to the pandemic and becoming systems. And acting collectively to being fragmented based on the nature of, of being at home or uh, social isolating. And that's difficult because you have to pull everybody back together again. Um, I think for our professional staff, you know, there's so many unknowns you know, and, and so many frustrations. I mean, uh, I remember in, in August, you know, I have some great teachers doing amazing things and then the internet would go down. Yeah. Not just for 10 minutes but would go down for a half an hour come back yeah. up for 45 minutes go down again for a half hour uh or kids would c- bounce in and out of class uh you know and then we just we just didn't know um what COVID 19 would do to people so fear yeah and it's a justifiable fear yeah. and i think that was hard but as we got through it we started picking up some momentum but i i will say we're all tired yeah uh, I am. I, what I loved is what you said about our teachers and our our principals. Uh, they gave it it all, and 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 they 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 emptied their tanks. They are deserving of a break, right? Now. They are. De- <laughs> they are deserving of some beach time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're, I think we're in. I think we're in the late COVID period. Hopefully, we'll be in the post COVID period at some point this year, maybe. Um, but there's no guarantee that this doesn't happen again. May, you know, maybe we have a resurgence in the fall. I don't, you know, want to rain on the parade, but yeah. might happen. And then in the future, we might have something else that that could happen. So, how do you think that schools can better respond in a, in a future outbreak? Well, if there's a few, if there's another outbreak, you know, we've we've been through it once. Yeah. And uh, practice doesn't make perfect perfect, but practice does allow you to be resilient. Yeah. And. Um, you know, we have some really good practices in place right now that, and I agree with you, it, it, we're going to transcend into the post-COVID-19 with some good practices that will ma- be maintained. Yeah. 
you know, blended learning is no matter what anyone says is, is going to be a part of public schools. Yeah. Now it will, may look differently, and it may be um, uh, more robust because we learn so much. Yeah. Like we just bought our second round of Chromebooks for our students and staff, and they yeah. are processing beasts. Uh, if if we go down again, we're going to be able to run Technology. every piece of software that we could buy. Uh, but that's what we learned. We learned that yeah. you know you want to have you don't want to run on the minimum. Now you want to have a maximum capability as you go forward. Yeah, and I you know I, I see some parallels in the healthcare space with with this in education, and and that is you know through through telemedicine, um, and and we turned. Um, to telemedicine in the healthcare space as as a complete alternative to providing in person services, right? Um, and I, I've I've always said, you know, when we when we return to more of a normal state, it's got to become a natural and integral part of the way that you provide services, and not some kind of ancillary alternative, right? Um, and I see that for education as well. I, I see it becoming a natural and integral part of how you teach kids. And um, I, I, I hope that we hope that we get it right. So I uh, do too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I, you know, I think kids are, are benefiting from learning through that mechanism as well, because it's a normal part of their, their lives as well outside of, of education. So um, I, I want to turn a little bit to the, to the vaccines. So have you seen among uh, teachers and staff uh, pretty good, uptake uh, of the vaccines and are you doing or planning anything to encourage uptake uh, of course recognizing that our general assembly has kind of handcuffed you without uh, you know not being able to do a mandate well um you know we provided on-site vaccinations for our professional staff and our high school students uh, about 52 percent of our staff took advantage of it on site and then we think another 10 percent. so we we're probably 60 yeah. percent vaccinated uh not a lot of not a lot of students took advantage of it um, that's better than the state average, so that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, I, I it, it's critical that the vaccinations occur um, because I don't think we're going to completely get rid of COVID nineteen. I think it's going to be part of who we are yeah. as as a species, unfortunately, because uh, it's 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 going to hang around. Yeah. Um, but no, we there is no mandate uh, that can apply, and and I think you have to also be respectful too. Although I'm a vaccine guy, and uh, both my shots, I, I was fine. Um, didn't even get a sore arm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that um, there's a history in the United States that are also impeding people from getting vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the American Rescue Plan came around in states, and you mentioned it earlier, states yeah. and the cities and the, and the school districts, right. counties. Uh, they're all getting a lot of funding coming. They're like one time, once in a lifetime, we've got a pandemic, we've got a huge winter storm, and you're getting once in a lifetime kind of funding coming your way. Um, and I know that you have a pretty short timeline kind of to develop a plan around how you're going to use that. You mentioned there was a little bit of guidance that you wanted changing. Do you have any priorities that you that you really want to use that for? Sure. I think we have a lot of schools that, that really need infrastructure support. Um, we have... Uh, you know, heating and cooling systems that are 50, 40 years old. Yeah. Uh, we have needs with um, uh, increasing capacity and, and especially with around services students, IEPs in, in the buildings. Uh, we have, you know, curricular needs now that we have really a blended uh, yeah. curriculum need. Yeah. Uh, our, our old textbooks don't cut it. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and, and also 
um, we need to have uh, human capital, uh, I think, effectively um, put in places that are going to allow students to shine. Those are some of the things that um, our $25 million are going to go to. And remember, 20% of it has to be, or $5 million, has to be put towards learning loss. And I can't, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to throw you a little curveball because I'm, a, I'm an arts guy. Okay, cool. Um, and I know that several of your schools, particularly the, the Maumel School, which I've been to the, uh, I know, you know, the guy out there who runs the theater program. And, um, from an arts and, and, and really even sports standpoint, um, how are we going to get back to normal there? And, and what's going on in those spaces right now? You know, our, I'm going to give credit to our, our fine arts departments. You know, we, we kept going. Yeah. I mean, we had physical distancing. We had masks that were allowed instruments to be used. Uh, <laughs> you know, chorus happened outside, uh, <laughs> you know, or in large spaces. Uh, it, was, it was powerful to watch. Yeah. You know, I was a principal during No Child Left Behind, and there was a real pull just to f- focus in on reading and math only. Yeah. Uh, and... I learned quickly that was that's just not the way to do it. Uh, the way to get achievement and excellence for all students is to provide a very reality-based, interesting curriculum. Yeah. And the arts are a huge part of our lives that need to be um, fostered even yeah. during these times. And then I would also say, you know, there's there's great opportunities for STEM and, and, and creativity yeah. that goes through that too. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So um, going going from the arts into the arts... So I asked you about your theme song, but I want to know if you had to pick, what would be the theme song for your teachers and staff? Well, you know, I was I was going to be uh, eloquent, and then I got cheesy. I think that we are the champions. Okay, a Queen song. Uh, uh, it, I really do think that, though. I, I really, I, I I commend our professional staff and our students for the year that they engaged in maintaining the flow and fluidity of our society, yeah. and they deserve all the credit. Great. So my, my final question here, um, what effect do you think that the pandemic has had on uh, teacher and staff attrition and and what effect might it have on the pipeline? Again, I see parallels in the healthcare workforce space. Um, and so what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, before I, I want to talk about healthcare workers, they're, they're amazing, the amazing work. I'm deeply concerned at the, the healthcare system. I don't think people understand the the stress that was placed on the system over the pandemic. Um, And, you know, the collateral effect of that is going to be years coming. You can only do so many 24-hour shifts uh, uh, and and not face that burnout or not face, you know, the erosion of infrastructure. I would say that, um, speaking for the county, that we, coming through it, you know, I, you know, we hear we made it, but I, I think we made it happen. Yeah, that's and good. That's, I think there's some good. strength. It's going to be hard to dismay our professional staff right now. I mean, <laughs> you know, 100-year pandemic, <laughs> snowstorms, uh, you know. Technology. Te- you know, going from, you know, on-site instruction in a moment's notice to, uh, uh, you know, uh, digital or internet-based instruction <laughs> and you know, we asked our teachers to teach students in front of them, students who are on an A-B schedule, and students at home at the same time. And they did it. So uh, we're going to come with some real strength. Yeah, good. All right, well, thank you so much for coming and uh, being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was a joy to talk to you. It was a joy to talk to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, the views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode, and again, thanks for listening.